sometimes the only way to create what you really want means walking away from the sure thing you already have. You may recognize that voice from Marie TV. That's Marie Furlio, and she's going to be giving us some amazing insights on how do we break bad habits, how do we embrace our ambitions, and most importantly, how do we stay motivated through the rest of the year. All this ahead and much, much more on the Super You Podcast. That's one small step for man. Lift off. We, we have a chance to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they I are have a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 and unleash your superpowers on the world. I do truly believe we're all superheroes. We just need that courage to wear the cape. Helping us get that courage today is going to be Marie Furlio. She's an American entrepreneur and she's the founder of Marie Furlio International, but she's best known for her advice books, online business program, B-School, and of course, Marie TV. She's been named by Oprah as a thought leader for the next generation. For those not familiar with Marie TV, she's an award-winning, it's an award-winning weekly show. Uh, it's really cool. It's really cool. She's, it's full of wit, uh, a lot of wisdom, and just actionable ideas to help you create a better business and a life full of love. I know that a lot of our team here love Marie TV. I know Maritza Gutierrez, uh, the producer of this particular show, one of the producers here, um, she's nodding her head, her, her audio is not on, but she's nodding her head saying, big fan, big fan. She's giving her two thumbs up. Speaking of two thumbs up, I'm giving two thumbs up to our sponsor, Amazon Prime. If you don't know the benefit of Amazon Prime, you really realize it when you can't get something on Amazon. Crazy enough, so our laundry basket, it cracked like you've, you've seen it. You know, the handles eventually break off. And so we wanted this particular basket, it's the right size. And we go on Amazon and you can order six of them. Like who, who needs six laundry baskets? But I quickly realized because of supply chain issues, supply chain issues, that this particular basket was hard to come by now. So normally, $8 basket, I get there by six. Again, I, I'm trying to figure out at what point would anyone need six laundry baskets? Unless you worked at a laundromat that gave out laundry baskets to use. But anyways, hard to find. People were paying 70 bucks on Amazon. So that's just a symbol to show you that that's how unwilling people are to order something not Amazon Prime. And here's why. So I went to another website. You money, you might know this company. I want to review the company, but it rhymes with call and uh, heart. So let's say call heart. It was crazy. So you need to have a minimum order of 45 bucks. Otherwise, I'm going to charge you another eight bucks. And even with that minimum order, I started throwing stuff in there. I'm like, what could I use? I guess I could buy some soap, some body wash. Jim Gaffigan's hilarious on body wash. If you haven't watched that Netflix special, comedian Jim Gaffigan does a pretty funny bit on body wash. But I throw all this stuff in the cart and they're still going to charge me $7.99. And if you either go to the store and pick that up, I'm like, heck no, I'm not doing that. I can only imagine not only driving that time, but then getting there and people are like, I don't know. It might be in the back. I don't, I, I ordered something online just sitting there waiting. So I'm like, no, nah, that's worth the $7.99 to actually have this shipped to my house, even though it's the same price as the product itself. And then they had a tip to the driver. I'm all for tipping the driver, but a mandatory tip of five bucks. So I thought it was just crazy. Anyways, just a, it was a pleasant reminder of how spoiled we are with Amazon Prime. Again, that's our sponsor of Super U Podcast, Amazon Prime. But what we're going to talk about here today is how do we break bad habits? How do we make sure we don't compare ourselves to others? And to help us do that, we've got Marie from Marie TV here, and she's going to help us walk us through that. 
All right, Marie, a lot of us that read my book, The Focus Project, are trying to figure out how to instill good habits in their life. But how do you break a bad habit? What advice do you have for breaking bad habits? I don't think that there is any human on the planet who, at any given time, doesn't have at least one habit that really needs to get kicked to the curb. Well, it turns out that there's a simple two-word fix that can dramatically increase our ability to resist temptation, and it gives us a better chance to make a better choice. Now, this is based on research done by Dr. Vanessa Patrick. She's a professor of marketing at the University of Houston who published her findings on the power of self-talk in the Journal of Consumer Research. She found that when participants framed a refusal as I don't, for instance, I don't eat chocolate cake or I don't eat sugar, instead of I can't, they were more successful at resisting the desire to eat unhealthy foods or skip the gym. In fact, they found that when it came to deciding whether to eat certain foods, saying I don't was nearly three times as effective as saying no and about eight times more effective than saying I can't. Very interesting, right? I don't versus I can't. Two teeny tiny words that can make a ginormous difference. And here's why. When we say I don't, we are empowered. We're determined. We are at choice. It's a tough, strong phrase like end of story. But when we say I can't, we disempower ourselves. It sounds like we're not allowed to do something by some outside force. You know what? We make ourselves feel deprived when we say I can. Now, what's even cooler, though, is that we can tuck this little trick into every corner of our lives. We can start making some clear, strong declarations. All right, another habit many of us have, and I'd argue it's bad, is comparing ourselves to others. Why shouldn't we do that? Back in college, I had some nasty nights doing shots of this awful cinnamon-flavored liqueur called Goldschlager. It's pretty much disgusting. Now, when you compare your path with someone else's, you're basically drinking Comparschlager, which is like a hundred times worse for you than Goldschlager. And I gotta say, that is not easy to do. Now, you know that you've been doing shots of Comparschlager when you're left with a major comparison hangover, which is what you're experiencing right now. Now, comparison is where all of this, I should be further ahead by now, BS stuff comes from. And I guarantee you, if you stop doing shots of Comparschlager to a very large extent, you're going to stop feeling all this angst and anxiety and hopelessness. They say comparison is the thief of joy. I say it's the hamburglar of happiness. It will not rest until it takes all of your self-esteem makes off with it into the night and leaves you doing the ugly cry in the corner. So you might be asking yourself, well, how do you stop comparing? It's pretty simple. You have got to put blinders on because constantly looking to the right or to the left is actually what's slowing you down and you need to focus on your own game. So if you really want to do a comparison cleanse, try this. Do a total social media detox and stop following or looking at people who you tend to compare yourself to. Don't pick up magazines or watch TV shows that portray some unrealistic ideal of perfection. Do not go actively searching for things that you know are going to leave you feeling upset. Now, I know that this takes discipline and it takes constant vigilance, but I got to tell you, 
Commit to this, and I promise you will feel better than you've ever felt before, and you're going to have more time and energy to make your dreams come to life. Well, I don't want, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It is comparing to some people say, yeah, compare yourself. That's competition. You know, I got to reach higher. That's the person I aspire to. But, but should we compare ourselves to others? We, we talk a lot in the show about goal setting, vision setting, you know, dare to be great. If you think about Brene Brown, dare to be great. So how do we, how do we become great? Sometimes the only way to create what you really want means walking away from the sure thing you already have. Now, before we dive into this, I want to share a little line from Jim Collins, the author of the classic book, Good to Great. Jim says, Good is the enemy of great and is why so many things don't become great. We don't have really great schools because we have good schools. We don't have great companies because we have so many good ones. And when we look back over a life and see if it's a great one, We don't see many because it's just so easy to settle for a good one. Now, if we unpack this a bit, we'll see that there's two main factors that keep us trapped in good land. Number one is comfort. Whether it's a certain amount of money that you're used to making or a warm body next to you when you're watching Game of Thrones, sometimes it's hard to walk away from the sure thing you already have because you're not sure if you're going to find something out there that's better to fill the void. Number two is what I call OPE, other people's expectations. The reason OPE is so hard to break free from is because we don't want to disappoint people, we don't want to let them down, and of course we don't want to rock the boat. But if you want to shift anything from good to great, you got to be willing to shake some shiz up. Which is exactly what I had to do when I walked away from over a million dollars in revenue. Yes, people were disappointed, and yes, people thought I was crazy pants. Little side note, if people think you're crazy pants, you are probably wearing the right pants. So here's the story. Back in the day, I had two awesome programs. One was an annual conference that we held at Donna Karen's Urban Zen Center, and the other was a year-long mentorship and travel program called Adventure Mastermind. Both of these programs sold out each year with a waiting list. They were fun, they were life-changing, and they were like nothing else on the market, and they were both really profitable. However, I was having this inner tug inside that it was time for me to clear the decks and work on new projects that would allow me to change as many lives as possible. Now, I'm not going to front, this was not easy to do. A, a million dollars is a lot of freaking money, and B, I love what I do, and it was hard for me to disappoint so many people who wanted to take those programs but then wouldn't have a chance to. So I couldn't deny what I knew to be true, which was that it was time for me to walk away. And that's what I did. Now check this out. About a week or so after I decided to take those programs off the market, I got a call from Oprah's folks to be on Super Soul Sunday. Coincidence? Maybe. Or maybe it was meant to be. Because you can't have really amazing stuff show up in your life if you don't have room for it. So with a few things to keep in mind. First of all, we always say that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it ain't broke, it doesn't mean that you should keep it. Furthermore, things don't have to be crashing and burning around you in order for you to walk away. You can leave on a high note. Things don't have to get dramatic and they don't have to get crazy. Second, as Jim Collins said, good is the enemy of great. Complacency can be a curse, so watch out for it. You know, you know, on the path to greatness, a lot of us are delayed on that path because we're nervous. We don't want to embrace our ambitions because honestly, we're afraid to fail. So if we admit this is our ambition then we're afraid to fail, so we might not verbalize it, we might not go for it, because then if we don't do it, we didn't fail, and that's better than failing in our minds, but you can't succeed without taking that step, so how how do we embrace our ambition? According to Frankel, he believed 
that one component of well-being is based on a certain degree of tension between what one has already accomplished and what one has yet to achieve. So in other words, who you are today and who you hope to become tomorrow. So if you're worried or ever have those thoughts that somehow you're a failure because you haven't achieved all of your dreams quite yet, listen to me when I say this, you are not a failure. That tension is a really good thing. So embrace that drive that you have, embrace your ambition and the gap between where you are and who you are today and where you wanna go and who you wanna become over the next year and 10 years and so on. So when it comes to making meaning in our lives, Frankel shares three simple avenues. The first avenue is creating work or doing a deed. In other words, having a project that you're working on that requires your skills and abilities. You know, one of the most powerful stories in the book for me was when Frankel arrived at Auschwitz and he had the manuscript for a book that he was working on and he had it in his coat pocket. And when he arrived, they confiscated it from him just like everything else. And he was heartbroken. But what he did throughout his time there is he started looking for these little scraps of paper and he was collecting them so he could start recreating his manuscript. And that really helped keep him focused. And there was this other thing that he shared that I really related to. You know, um, while I have a stepson and I have a fur baby, I don't have any biological children. And he was talking about this book being his mental child and having the ability to focus on that mental child and how important it was for him to nurture it and bring it to life and put that manuscript back together was really a key in helping him survive that experience. The second avenue, by experiencing something or someone. So in other words, experiencing beauty or truth or goodness or love, whether that's through nature or by loving someone else. You know, Frankel shares these moments throughout the book. For example, when he was being transferred from Auschwitz to a Bavarian camp by train, how he and everyone was in this crowded train and they were crowding around this tiny barred window just to catch a glimpse of the mountainside and the beautiful sunset. And in Frankel's own words, he said, we were carried away by nature's beauty, which we had missed for so long. Or the other thing that really stood out to me in the book was how much Victor connected with his wife through his thoughts and his imagination and how much his love for her kept him fueled and really kept him going. And there was one passage that I want to read, which sums it up. He wrote, Then I grasped the meaning of the greatest secret that human poetry and human thought and belief have to impart. The salvation of man is through love and in love. I understood how a man who has nothing left in this world still may know bliss, be it only for a brief moment in the contemplation of his beloved. The third and final avenue is the attitude that we take towards unavoidable suffering. In other words, our human capacity to transform personal tragedy into triumph. And this is probably the biggest message that I took away from the book. You know, Victor discovered through surviving what is arguably one of the most horrific experiences you could ever imagine that he was able to find meaning and growth and a deeper sense of who he was as a human being as a result. And there was one really incredible insight that he shared, which was this. In some way, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning. We hear stories about this every day, right? I mean, where people face 
unimaginable challenges that could break them, but somehow they wind up growing stronger and more resilient and even more fulfilled as a result. So while there are many different schools of thought around meaning and fulfillment, I found Viktor Frankl's three-part framework really speaks to my heart. One of the reasons that I love it so much is because I think many of us can get lost looking outside of ourselves for how to create a meaningful life. And what Viktor Frankl so beautifully teaches us is that each of those three avenues is completely within our control. You know, a lot of folks on this show are starting to do yoga or more yoga. I'm trying to do more because I know how good it is for me, though it's hard because you're like, I don't have an hour to do yoga to relax like that. And it's not relaxing once you do it. If you do it right, you're in the present. You're actually, if it's power yoga, it's actually a good workout. But how do we make sure that we engage in that moment? And and I've mentioned yoga because it actually teaches us how to do that better. But how, how do we engage in the moment or how do we stay present? The reality check that hit me like a ton of bricks All of the joy and excitement and fun that we want in life never comes from external circumstances. It always comes from the energy and the attention and the consciousness that we bring into each and every moment. So Lori, I talked about this a lot. And if you really want to solve this problem, I need you to go read page 10 in my book, Make Every Man Want You. It's all about making isness your business. So what does that mean? Making isness your business means that you show up in each moment and you do this moment like you friggin' mean it. That means you bring your A game. That means you bring your full enthusiasm, your attention, your love to whatever you're doing, wherever you are, and whoever you're with. Why? Because all pain and frustration and annoyance in our life comes from resisting the moment. It comes from saying, this moment isn't how it should be. But guess what? The moment already is. So you only have two choices in life. You can either resist it and be freaking miserable, or you can engage with the moment and have a damn good time. In fact, make it an engagement party. That's right. You got to love the moment and put a ring on it. Because the truth is, you can feel fully alive in any situation, or you can feel like total crap in any situation. It's not the circumstances, it's actually what you bring to them. Once I really got this, I was so much happier. I was performing in my jobs better, and ironically, everything that I wanted to create in my future started happening a lot faster. You know, I'm sure you get this question a lot. I get it a ton. Like, what's your definition of success? Your work does not equal your worth. Entrepreneurs are not better than non-entrepreneurs, and working on Wall Street isn't better than working as a waitress. There's no such thing as only in anything. Our true worth doesn't come from the work we do, it comes from who we are as human beings. Now, I know sometimes that's easier said than done, but if you wanna be in charge of your happiness, you need to remember that. Number two is begin with the end in mind. So you said that you were feeling aimless and this writing exercise, good for a creative writer, is really gonna help you figure out where to set your sights. So it's based on Stephen Covey's idea, begin with the end in mind. And when I say end, I actually mean the end of your life. So imagine, it's years from now. It's your last day on earth and you're thinking back on the journey. What kind of memories do you want to have? What kind of adventures will you have taken? Are there certain places you went, friends you made, and things you did with them? So don't just think about this, actually write it down. I promise you're going to uncover some pretty awesome ideas that might just be worth aiming for. 
Number three, flesh out the details. So you said that you want to feel fulfilled and accomplished. Well, what exactly does that mean to you? I'd love you to get specific. Does that mean that you write every day? Does it mean that you publish a novel? Would you feel accomplished if you just got up and put on some underwear? I certainly do. I want you to get clear and specific and make sure that you include some things that you can do on a daily basis so every day you get to feel fulfilled and accomplished. All right, as we wrap this show up here, I always like to ask a, a bigger question. And, and one of the questions we all have, uh, we all wrestle with is, how does one stay motivated? I mean, this stuff's hard, right? There's gonna be hurdles, gonna be challenges. How do we stay motivated on a day-to-day level? How do I stay motivated, especially after things have been really difficult and we're kind of still in this COVID stage? So I wanna talk through some things that are both important to me, but as a coach, I wanna give you specific advice from what I picked up from your question and your vibe. So first thing is self-care first. It has been a really difficult time and it has been a really difficult year and that stress can take a toll. So one of the keys for me to stay consistently motivated is to make sure that I'm doing the simple things that make the biggest difference in terms of my energy, my health and my cognitive prowess. What does that mean? Meditation is a must for me every single day. We've talked about this in the past. We even have an episode about my personal practice and we have a free little download if you want to take advantage of that. We'll put it both in the video and we'll put it in the description below. Exercise. I've talked about this so many times in the show because it is one of my favorite ways to make sure that I stay energized. It's one of the things that I do to make sure that my brain is operating at top capacity and it's just really fun. But there's another element that I want to mention. Now, I am not a doctor and I don't play one on the internet. However, I try and take really good care of my health. And one of the things that I've noticed and that I specifically went through recently was just understanding and feeling like, wow, my energy isn't where it normally is. And you might remember that late last year, I had a pretty major surgery. So there was a lot of recovery with that too. My point is this, sometimes we get into a specific stage of life where things that we're eating, things that we're drinking, just ways that we're living actually pull our energy down, make us more lethargic. And it makes it harder for our brain to feel energized to be able to focus and concentrate. So um, this is a book by my friend, Mark Hyman. It's called The Pegan Diet. I'm also reading another book by him that's called The Ultra Mind Solution. I would highly recommend that you check these out if you have any suspicion that, you know what, maybe the things I'm putting in my body could be creating a little bit of stress in my gut or making me not feel so good. And I will tell you, it has made a tremendous difference in a short amount of time in terms of my self-care, my energy, my ability to focus and concentrate and have really high energy levels, which speaks into motivation and getting unstuck and getting things done. Number two, ambiguity is the enemy of execution. I need you to decide what is the one single project that you want to work on at this particular stage and season of your life, whether it's for a month or the next quarter or the next six months, whatever the time frame is, and decide what that one thing is so we can get you moving on it. 
Anytime people come to me and say, I don't know, I just have so many things I might want to do. I know that they haven't decided the one thing that's most important right now and they have no plan to execute on it. So since you mentioned that you have this fantastic little book called Everything is Figure Outable, I want to encourage you to go back to chapter six, which is define your dream. Because not only do you need to define specifically what you want to work on at this particular time, you also need to have a stack of emotionally compelling reasons why that particular project is so important to you. So it has to be important to your heart. It should be important to your mission. It should be important to your bank account. There should be all kinds of reasons why this particular project, this milestone or this goal has to be reached. And we need that to be very concrete and specific. So remember, ambiguity is the enemy of execution, my friend. So that is step two. And now for step three, I highly recommend this. Most of the time, people are just going like this. I don't know what I should do. I don't know what I should focus on because they don't have a deadline. Y'all, people, we need deadlines. They are awesome. I know sometimes it can create a little pressure and stress, but pressure and stress in small amounts and when it's directed at something important are really helpful. They help us get things done. So once you decide what you really want to work on, what is that specific concrete goal, then we need a deadline. In my own life right now, I'm creating something new that I am so excited about and I have dates in the books for a few months ahead where we are shooting the thing I'm working on. So I've got a whole crew coming and I know exactly what's going to happen. That's a deadline that's very real. I can't wiggle out of it. You know what else that does? It helps me keep things simple. So when other people are trying to tell me, hey, Marie, I want you to come do this or come do this speaking engagement or what about this particular project? I'm like, no, hell to the no. You know why? Because I have this clear, specific, important project that has a deadline, which gets me very motivated to get things done. Well, I hope that helps all our listeners stay motivated. It's still the beginning of the year. We're making our way through, but it's really about how do you continue to stay motivated? How do you break those bad habits, embrace the better habits? And it's not easy to do. That's why we have this show. It's to help us out. It's a community that we're building here at the Super You Podcast. So I hope this show helped you out a lot to have that courage to wear the cape and to stay the course, to stay the course, to stay motivated, to keep that vision in front of you, to embrace your ambitions, you know, aim to be great, embrace those ambitions and don't compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to others. Just look at yourself and go and Am I getting better? Am I 1% better each and every day? So I hope this podcast helped you get 1% better today. And this podcast isn't possible without the great work of our team here at Equal Man Studios. We've got Maritza Gutierrez, we have Jake Brin, and also the wonderful Kelsey Gomez. But until next time, this is your host, Equal Man, reminding all of us that we have to have that courage to wear the cape. It's really about unlocking and unleashing our superpowers on the world. And that's not easy. So it's really about getting 1% better each and every day. Keep those emails flowing in here, equalman at equalman.com. Let me know if you'd ever buy six laundry baskets. I'm trying to figure out who the heck would buy six laundry baskets at a time. So until next time, remember, it's not what we take from the world, it's what we leave behind. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, super, super. Super you. Hey.